Welcome to the Young Central Podcast, your hub for human rights, mental health, and social justice. I'm your host, Serene Banna, and you can join us in our discussions every Wednesday. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Young Central Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about food insecurity, which um, right now seems like it's not a problem that's at in your backyard, but over the length of time, that is going to be more and more problematic for individuals everywhere. Um, before I get started, I want to remind you that this uh, episode is brought to you by Coco Kind. Coco Kind believes in clean beauty for a sustainable future, and it is beauty for everyone. So you can shop that store at youngcentral.net slash Coco Kind. So as a population we're growing far quicker than we can create or maintain resources. We've been hearing a lot about it over the years. And, you know, as we reach the deadline for the SDGs, the sustainable development goals, it becomes more and more real. And a large concern with reaching a future population of 10 billion people is food security for everyone. Will we have enough food to sustain that large population? Today, we're joined with Maya Oweshik to discuss food security and food insecurity, I should say, and how we could work together towards a sustainable future uh, where that's not an issue for a large population. Hi, Maya. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Serene. Thank you for having me uh, as a guest on Young Central Podcast. I'm glad that you're here. First of all, if anyone doesn't follow Maya already, she has an incredible food blog on Instagram. um, And it is so beautiful to look at and she highlights, you know, how different foods can be as delicious as you want them to be if you kind of just spice it up or like put them in certain recipes. So I highly recommend we'll link her in the show notes. Um, Maya, do you want to give a background about, you know, your studies and what you're doing? For sure. First, I have to say that I am so passionate about nutrition and food that I can just sit here and talk about it for hours. So it really means a lot that I have uh, this platform to share my voice on. So thank you for this opportunity. As you mentioned, my name is Maya. Um, I have a bachelor degree in clinical nutrition from UC Davis, California, and I'm currently wrapping up my graduate studies where I am doing a coordinated master in business and dietetics. Um, I just finished my supervised practice to become a registered dietitian, and I'm looking forward to taking that exam and I'll be earning an MBA as well. Um, I am from Syria, which I feel like I always think it's relevant to mention Mm -hmm. because I have a very global background and I care a lot about integrating my nutrition science knowledge with a little bit more of a global perspective to bring us all together in this little planet that we're living all together on. And I think for me and many of the listeners who, you know, listen to the podcast, it's important to see things from a global perspective, because at the end of the day, when we're working to solve issues that we discuss on here, you can't solve it one country at a time. It is everyone kind of joining together and taking different experiences and perspectives and kind of mending them to create a solution. Um, So I'm going to just jump right into the questioning here, because I'm really excited about today's uh, subject matter. I want to ask you, how are diet and food security linked? Um, Really good question, Serene. And for me to be able to answer it correctly, I first have to define what is food security. Uh, So food security 
by the um, Academy of Dietetic Physician paper is a household means access by all member at all time to enough food for an active, healthy life. And food security includes at a minimum the ready availability of nutritionally adequate and safe food and the assured ability to acquire these acceptable food in a socially acceptable way that is without resorting to emergency food supplies, scavenging, stealing, or any other coping strategy. It is really important for us to distinguish the difference between food insecurity and hunger. These are not the same thing. Hunger is an individual level psychological condition that might be the result of food insecurity. However, a lot of food insecure individuals do not suffer from hunger. They just have lack of access to nutritionally dense, high quality food. Now that we defined what is food security or food insecurity, what is the link what is the link between this and to the diet? A lot of research shows us that a household that is food insecure is more likely to develop a lot of grave health concern and outcomes at a later stage later stage in life. The most important issue here is children. So when children grow up in a food insecure household, they are more likely to grow up developing um eating disordered eating pattern. This could be anything from an unhealthy relationship with food, psychological response to um, the way that you eat. This include food hoarding, binge eating, uh, just an overall disorder eating patterns that will end up leading to a lot of health comorbidities. Um, also for adults, a lot of research have found a link between food insecurity and the high prevalence of comorbidities, which include hypertension, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, renal failure, um, and the list can go on. So it's so important to achieve food security because it is directly correlated to the quality of life of an individual. So it's it's not about just looking at hunger because we could look at hunger and there are many countries around the world um, facing famine and, and hunger and extreme um, poverty that leads to hunger, but food insecurity is a much deeper issue um, than that because the lasting impacts and not to say that hunger does not have lasting impacts, but when you look at the quality of food and you could look at the United States, for instance, you know, the pandemic. So Maya and I, for anyone who, I don't know if anyone would know this, but Maya and I went to UC Davis together for undergrad. Um, and during the pandemic, it was really impactful on, on students, the amount of uh, food insecurity that was based on campus. And thankfully, UC Davis has a great system in place where they kind of provide students with food and, and it was the food bank. I actually volunteered at the food bank. Yes, you did. I was there for like two years. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great, you know, that was a great initiative by UC Davis, but it doesn't, you know, dismiss the fact that the problem is there. And it's not just at UC Davis and it's not at just ASU and it's not at Ohio State, it's everywhere, and it is affecting a huge population. Um, and, you know, with a population that's increasing, like we said, it's only going to get worse, unfortunately, unless we mitigate that issue. So that kind of leads us to the next part of this discussion, um, which is revolving around the Eat Lancet Commission on Food, Planet, and Health. Can you explain what that is? 
Sure. So the Eat Lansing Commission is a nonprofit organization. They basically consist of 37 world-leading scientists from 16 different countries, from very different scientific disciplines. Basically, this committee came in together and they discussed all the science, all the data, all the numbers to come up with a report of how are we going to be able to feed the 10 billion people by 2050 without depleting our planet resources? How can we achieve a high quality nutrition, healthy diet that is at the same time part of a sustainable food production chain? Um, it's a wonderful nonprofit. If you go to their website, they have resources in multiple languages. Um, anyone can read it. They have a lot of details. And basically, they just like let us know why should we care? Why is this an important issue? And what can we do to actually make a change? So when we look at the possibility of global food insecurity for a population of 10 billion people, why is why is the report so important? What role does it play in that? I, the way I would like to describe it or explain it is that we have two things going on at the same time. We have a global food production that is continuously growing and is at the same time one of the single largest contributor to environmental issues. Our food chain supply have a lot of flaws. It is one of the biggest factor for climate decline. The way that we produce meat, the way we we produce a lot of our food. I don't want to like demonize meat like specifically, but just basically the way that our food supply chain function is contributing one-on-one to the decline of our environment. At the same time, we're living in a place where we're seeing there's a decline in overall global health and increase in comorbidities. Cancer is of a higher prevalence than it ever been. Um, hypertension, heart disease, diabetes, renal failure. Again, you have all these like medical condition, malnutrition. So you're um, at one hand, we have to amplify our food production to meet this growing population, but at the same time, this demand that we're trying to meet, we're not giving them high quality nutritious food to prevent them from developing these comorbidities. So it's really for us to understand like, where do we find the solution? And we're capable of, it's 2022. We have enough science, we have enough technology, we have enough smart people, knowledge is out there. There is no reason for us to not find a middle ground where we can keep up with this food production system without depleting the resources and still delivering people with high quality nutrition dense food. But when we look at the Eat Lancet Commission on Food, Planet, and Health, they have um, in the report something that they refer to as the planetary health eating diet. Can you delve into what that is? Okay. So a planetary health eating diet. I am someone who's not a big fan of the word diet. So we're going to go ahead and call it the planetary health eating pattern. How about that, Serene? Let's do it. <laughs> Perfect. Um, diet have a lot of, um, restrictive kind of, um, association with that word. And I try to like stay away from it as much as possible. If anything, a planetary health eating pattern is what you can add to your plate, not what you can take away from. So this plant forward diet emphasize on whole grains, fruit, veggies, nuts, and legumes. So you are very welcome to add those things to your plate, eat a little bit more of them, try to go out there, try to eat new vegetables, try something new. Um, if you, if budget is something that is of your concern, frozen vegetables are as good as fresh, if not even better, because they're frozen at peak. 
nutri nutrition value. Um, and it have a very humble serving of meat and dairy products. Um, I am someone who eats everything. I am not vegan. I am not vegetarian. However, I try to keep my meat consumption to kind of like the accessory of my dish, but not the main character. <laughs> um, it's my mission with my food lab that you mentioned is to romanticize eating your vegetable, um, if that makes sense. She has these recipes where they're so delicious. I've made several, and um, but they're so good. And you really, in the plates where meat is not the main focus, you don't feel like anything is missing. It's still so delicious. It's still so healthy. Um, and it's just conscious of what we're talking about now. So it's not a sacrifice. Again, we're not trying to inhibit anyone from eating anything or sacrificing anything, but it's just about being mindful. So by making these small changes in your daily life, you are being mindful of this growing global population. You're being mindful of the planet. And you're practicing these things that might even make you feel a little bit better at the end of the day because you are part of the difference. Instead of eating meat, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, maybe let's just eat meat for one meal or two meal. Or maybe instead of having half the plate to be chicken, we can have quarter of the, of the plate chicken. Another way that I love to participate in, meatless Monday, wellness Wednesday. Pick two days of the week where you're going to go out and venture and try new plant-based food. Plant-based food is delicious. Most countries in the world don't eat meat every day. I grew up in Syria. We did not eat meat every day. And we definitely did not eat it at every single meat. And believe me, I was happy, satisfied. And I would like to even go out there and say Syrian food is some of the best foods out there. <laughs> I would like to support that statement. <laughs> Um, this will inevitably, when we say stuff like this, it will in inevitably have impacts on several sectors of our society. So when we look at the agriculture industry, what does that eating pattern, what does that mean for the agriculture industry? So we, we both went to UC Davis, which yes. is the number one agriculture school, probably like in the world. Go Aggies. Um, we're very, go Aggies. We are very like Ags forward. And if there's one thing that I learned from going there is that food will forever continue to be one of the most important industry in the global realm. It's never going to go away. People will always need food. The, ag the agriculture industry is not going to suffer. It's not going to go anywhere. If anything, where we as an industry have to adapt to innovations and improvement in food production, food processing, how we're going to transport this food. For like, again, like we're saying, like we're going to eat less meat and dairy. That's mean we're going to eat more legumes and whole grains. So yes, we, we might be shifting that industry from one place to another, but that does not mean that this industry is going anywhere. People are not going to lose their jobs. This industry is going to, it's, it's here to remain. Humans will forever have the need to eat. Mm -hmm. We will always need food on our plates. And it's a matter of this industry adapting to these new standards to see how, again, how we can deliver this high quality nutrition food to the world without yeah. depleting, depleting our um, planet resources. And we touched on this episode in the episode. Um... Uh, on climate refugees that I had with Hannah hearing, and she kind of discussed it, but maybe we can delve into it more today. Um, 
what is your take on this? Is, is changing your diet more effective than focusing on ways to reduce fossil fuels or is it less effective? Um, is it effective at all? So food is by, by no means the only way you can achieve that global climate target. Um, if anything, the way like the Paris agreement by 2050 to have zero carbon emission, this is going to be mostly a focus on lifestyle habits, transportation system. It's kind of a thing that is bigger than me and you. However, this does not take away the important role that food chain play in that whole ballpoint of game. So at the end of the day, even if we did everything correctly, to reach the Paris Agreement by 2050, but we did not change our food eating pattern, we are not going to get to that target. Um, and, you know, one of the ways that we can all look at this is if you have a pipe that's leaking in multiple places and you get that, look at that pipe in, in terms of global warming and climate change and um, the need for mitigating that, you can patch up one side, but it's still going to be leaking out of other holes. And the only way to kind of mitigate the effects of climate change and, and work towards a sustainable future is if we work towards several areas and kind of patch up each area individually, is it going to take a lot of work? Absolutely. It is not something that we can solve overnight. But, you know, patching up these areas one by one. So, you know, reducing transportation, maybe walking um, instead of driving when it's feasible, obviously. Um and taking on this planetary health eating pattern, um, it's it's helping to patch the problem in one area, but you you have to focus on things as a whole as well. Um, and I think that's really important that you noted that. So thank you. And it's also really important to to note um, that while Maya and I have discussed the planetary health eating pattern um, today. It is not any medical advice that we can give anyone individually. Um, you need to make sure you're checking in with your physicians and your, if you have a registered dietitian that you consult with, please consult with them before making any lifestyle changes uh, that might impact your health. Thank you so much for having me. And um, to wrap this up, I would like to encourage all of our listeners today to think, what can I, what can I do today? A very small, simple thing that is a little bit planet forward that makes me feel like I am part of that change. And if the idea of making these small changes makes you want to do more, there's always advocacy and public policy, which is a whole other realm of action that we all can take to bring this conversation to the table and amplify our voices and make real changes. Um, we all have a voice. And if this is something that you care about or something that you are passionate about, speak up about it. Um, there are so many organizations out there that care about the planet. There are so many nonprofits out there that are waiting for your help and your support. Um, it could be something as small as adding a little bit more veggies to your plate to something as big as contacting your local legislators and seeing if there's like any bills that interest you or intrigue you so we can all live together on this planet together and preserve it for us and for the future generations. Um, Maya, thank you so much for your time today and answering all my many questions. It's become a theme to discuss sustainability when it comes to human rights and social justice um, because the impacts of an unsustainable future will 
you know, unsurprisingly have an impact on human rights and have an impact on our social justice. So when we're taking into account climate change and um, ways to be more sustainable for a bigger future and, and a larger population, it's so important that we delve into the little details that might be overlooked elsewhere. Um, so thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much, Serene. And I like the way that you wrapped it up. Food, food security is a human right. Everyone in this planet deserves the access to nutrition-dense food, regardless of their socioeconomic background. Um, it is simply not fair for us to be born on the same planet, yet not have the same access to food. It is also heartbreaking. It is 2022. We know better, and then we can do better. And we um, should do better. Exactly. And whether whether you want to make that, again, like I know I've said that multiple times, but whether you want to make the small change or whether you want to make the big change, as long as you make that small change, it's all that matter. Because yeah, as long as you do something, just do something about it. And honestly, if you don't want to do something about it, if you feel like you can't do something about it, speak about it. Make these conversations, start these, talk about it with your coworkers, with your family. With your friends, watch this episode. Yeah, I, I completely yeah. agree. It's just as long as you're just not watching, standing by and watching this kind of implode. Um, this episode, again, is brought to you by Coco Kind, which believes in a sustainable future and clean beauty for everyone. Um, you can shop the Coco Kind store again at youngcentral.net slash Coco Kind. Thank you so much for joining us today in this discussion. And we will see you next week. Thank you, Maya. Be sure to follow Young Central on Instagram, TikTok, and on Facebook at Young Central Network. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week.